Buenos dias, amigos y amigas, and that is all the Spanish you're getting from me today, but it is a good day. Uh, as always, this is The List. My name is Brett on the other end of the tin can and string. As always, is Jordan, and Jordan, today is actually a tin can and string episode. Uh, scheduling conflicts have turned around everything, so we don't have Zach producing. I'm actually producing today, so yeah, it should be an interesting episode. Yeah, I mean, you're pulling double duty here, real superstar of real multitasker, um, the Travis Hunter of this podcast, if you will, playing both sides. Yeah, but unlike him, I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. He's a master of all of them. Um, and of course, before we get into it, I do want to remind everybody to go to our website, listpodcast.com. Uh, Mr. S has his second round of picks up as of last night. We will see if it is as bad as his first round. Um, but we also, uh, Jordan, I'm sorry, uh, you were at the Heat game last night. I'm sure that was fun. But Mr. S and I also put together our first mock draft of the season, and that will be up on the website later today as well. Yeah, uh, mock draft season is definitely one of my favorite seasons of the year. Um, so I did take a look at what you guys did. I thought it was some great content. And I'm excited to help you guys continue to build on that. Yeah, absolutely. going to be fun. And uh, I'm excited to see your mock drafts as we get closer into the season. Uh, something that was announced when we did the last episode we didn't talk about, the Dolphins are going to be in the season, in-season version of Hard Knocks. Uh, Jordan, two things on my end. One, I didn't even know there was an in-season version of Hard Knocks. And two, some people are going to get mad at me. I'm probably not going to watch a single episode. Um, I'll watch it just because it's a Dolphins, but I think that that was part of the problem. And the reason they kind of changed the model that they had the last couple of years is because, I mean, I knew there was in-season Hard Knocks, but I didn't watch a single episode. Um, they had bad teams the last couple of years, and I think a change they wanted to make going into this year, um, is they wanted to pick a good team. So they waited um, to announce the Dolphins, and I think they'll see a ratings boost um, with it being a uh, team that's competitive and a team that's competing for a playoff spot in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm interested to see what the public perception is after seeing Tua. Um, I know there are a lot of good personalities, but I think Tua um, is really the one that's going to benefit the most from a public perspective uh, being on Hard Knocks. But I'll watch it just so we have content and just so we have something to talk about. Um, I always love watching anything Dolphins. Um, so I'm going to watch, but I'm not overly excited about it like I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, Reddit, all the communities saying how excited they were. And I'm just kind of like, eh, another thing to do. Hopefully it makes us look good. Because uh, I think the only Hard Knocks I actually watched was when we were on with Philbin. And I have never been as bored as I was watching that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... <laughs> I think it's a TV show for people who want to see what the back end of football looks like. Um, yet they don't really show you exactly what the back end of football looks like because it's, I mean, it's a produced television show. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what it looks like. This reminds me a little bit. I think it was the Marlins that did a couple of years ago, kind of a in-season show. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, TBD on that. Um, I think in a couple of weeks, I don't know when it, premieres but when it premieres we'll talk about it and see what they actually show us um but i'm interested to see how the team performs over the next couple of weeks with this added media um coming around every day yeah me too the few the few things i've heard it doesn't seem like the team really cares that much uh if anything they seem a little upset because i think i saw a couple of players say that they weren't consulted about it uh so we'll see but it should be interesting um the other thing i want to talk about Jordan, I'm interested to hear your thought on this. How is the Finns losing to a good team make us frauds while Buffalo looks bad two weeks in a row against two bad teams, loses the second time, and then the Niners also lose to a mediocre at best, but we'll say bit bad this year, Minnesota Vikings team? I get part of it is probably because we haven't beaten a quote-unquote winning team yet, but especially after the refs on Sunday that you and I talked about. I don't like hearing all the fraud talk about us, whereas Buffalo and San Francisco get off the hook. Well, I think, first of all, when it comes to the ref situation, and I, we talked about it a lot on the last episode, so I won't get too deep into it, um, but I love seeing uh, Mad Dog Russo. I don't know if you saw Brett, um, what he did 
uh, on one of the ESPN shows that he's on this week where he went off about the NFL refs. Um, and seeing a New York guy stand up for the Dolphins actually made me feel very good. Um, but as far as your question is concerned, I think part of it has to do with, and I think the stat they keep giving out is that the teams the Dolphins have beaten are 5-24. and 24. Um, And I think the other part of it is that the two Dolphins losses were very public. Um, the Bills game was the most watched game at that 1 o'clock slate. Um, and the Eagles game was obviously a Sunday night game. Um, while the San Fran game was a Monday night game, I think that San Fran, for some reason, gets more leeway um, because they did make the NFC Championship last year. Um, but I think that this is just kind of the way the NFL is. Um, I think it was somebody in our Discord recently um, that posted the breakdown of the regular season for the greatest show on turf um, for that Rams team with Kurt Warner that was unbelievable. And you post the the 2000 and whatever Patriots with Randy Moss that went undefeated, they were the exception to the rule. The rule is that everybody's going to struggle throughout parts of the regular season. Everybody's going to have bad losses in the regular season. Everybody's going to have games where it's closer than people think. The NFL is just a weird sport like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, like I have said multiple times on the show, and like Dwayne Wade said in 2006, you can't get too high in the wins. You can't get too low in the losses um, because the NFL, you're really somewhere kind of in between. I think if we continue to overreact on wins and overreact on losses, um, really, you got to kind of stay in between and understand that all of these, the, the Bills, the 49ers, the Dolphins are all good football teams and they're all going to be competitive come December, come January. Um, where we'll be able to see then who's actually going to perform and make plays. I think overreacting to a loss at Minnesota on a Monday night, it's tough to win on the road on Monday night. I'm overreacting to losing to the Eagles on Sunday night when you didn't get a single, not one single penalty called. I think that's just an overreaction. I think it it creates clicks, it creates content. Um, it's it's a lot harder for us to sit here and talk if we just say, ah. Whatever, like a loss is a loss, and we move on. We have no other content to talk about. Um, so I think it's content driven, um, and I think that society today is such an overreacting society. Everything is the biggest thing that's ever happened. Every player, it's a debate whether they're the greatest of all time, the worst of all time, the biggest bust of all time, the best team of all time. Um, this world, the environment, is the worst it's ever been. Um, Everything is just a, a heightened overreaction. Um, not to say some of those things aren't necessarily true, but I, I think we overreact so much as a society to everything that it just shows itself very clearly when we talk about football. Yeah, and that's fair. I think where it kind of annoys me is everybody's talking about how injured the 49ers are, and to a lesser extent Buffalo, but they don't point out that we were missing three starting offensive linemen arguably our best running back, Jalen Ramsey, Nick Needham, who is back, who I don't think was activated at the time we recorded last time, but it's good to have him back. Um, but yeah, I just don't think people realize that the Dolphins aren't exactly 100% either. So yeah, and like you said, we're not as proven. We don't have the track record, but it's similar situations. We we live, like I said, in a reactionary world. Um, so, yeah, it would cause content to say, oh, well, the Dolphins have just as much injuries as the 49ers. No, people people don't care about that. When it's when it's their team, when it's a team they like, people like the 49ers, people like to hate on the Dolphins. So if it fits the narrative for the 49ers and they can skew the narrative to fit it to the Dolphins, that's what I think people are going to generally do. Yeah, and more in the Niners later. We will get into those in our NFL picks, but we are going to go – into our college picks. Uh, Jordan, you and I talked about it a little bit last week. This is not the best slate of games. So I picked four games for us that, well, one I don't think is going to be close, but the other three should be okay. But um, let's start with Oregon versus Utah. Uh, Utah is coming off of that big win against USC. Ended USC's championship hopes, likely ended Caleb Williams' Heisman hopes. It was good. I wasn't expecting them to win, despite having a great defense. Uh, the defense is just as good, if, if not better, as I thought it would be. Uh, Oregon, they did lose to Washington a couple weeks ago. Um, 
I believe they had a bye last week. I don't, not sure, but I didn't really pay attention to them last week. Uh, but one player I have mentioned in the past for Oregon, who uh, is probably the star even over Bo Nix, who is arguably a first-round talent, would be the running back, Bucky Irvin. Uh, he dominated against Washington. He's been arguably the best running back all season in uh, the FBS. And I think he will be the difference in this game. Utah's tough. It would not shock me if Utah wins, but I think Oregon's mad and they still have an outside shot at the playoffs. This is their last year in the Pac-12. I think they want to go out as on top. So I'm going to pick Oregon by seven here. Um, so just to clarify something, you said Oregon actually um, did play last week. They beat Washington State at home. Okay. Um, and that Washington State win is actually going to be one of the reasons why I am picking Oregon um, this week to beat Utah at Utah. Now, it scares me that we're both picking Utah to lose at home because Utah's the type of team that when people start thinking they're going to lose at home, they win at home. But like you said, Oregon has much, much better quarterback play. Uh, Oregon pays a little more attention to their offensive line uh, and their defensive unit as, than USC does. Um, I was wrong on USC lately. Um, I like them the whole time. Uh, I like them to go to the playoff. I like them to be in the national championship game. Um, and I think I went against my narrative a little bit. My narrative is the tougher, more physical team, better defense is going to win. Um, and I got trapped a little bit with USC. I think Oregon goes to Utah and wins. I think, like you said, Oregon knows they need to be absolutely perfect in order to make the playoffs. I think it starts this week for them. Uh, I think as we look ahead and enter the home stretch of the season, like you know I love to do, uh, Oregon plays Cal and USC at home. Uh, and then they play Arizona State on the road and Oregon State at home. Those are all winnable games. Uh, Oregon very well could win out. Um, and put themselves in a position where they may possibly make the playoff. They need to, at the very least, win out and get some help. I think Oregon wins at Utah. I think you put it at the right number at seven. I'll I'll say Oregon by ten. Okay. And um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, uh, just because we mentioned USC. Um, the two losses, like like we said, it probably takes Caleb Williams out of the Heisman candidacy. Um, Vegas surprisingly likes Michigan's quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, as the favorite. But I think you and I both agree that the favorite still... You love still, that, don't you? I'm surprised by it. I do like J.J. Um, the coaches are saying, going forward, any quarterback that comes to Michigan will be compared to him. They're saying he's going to go down as the best quarterback ever. But if you look at his stats, they're not great. Now, admittedly, this year, well, always Michigan, once you get into the red zone, it's going to be handed to Blake Corum. He has 13 rushing touchdowns this season. McCarthy, I think, only has 18 passing touchdowns. It might be a little less. But Michigan traditionally doesn't really throw the ball once they get into the red zone. So the numbers are going to be skewed. Uh, he's talented enough to win it, but I still kind of, I still think Michael Penix is probably the favorite. Yeah, I think Penix should be the heavy <laughs> favorite. I think talking about anybody else right now is kind of just trying to come up some controversy and some talk. Um, I think Penix deserves to be the favorite um, big time, but I, I think they still have Washington. I mean, they don't play this week, but I mean, they play Stanford, USC. Actually, they do play Stanford this week. I'm sorry. By Stanford, USC, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. Again, their last four games were against USC, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. That is a brutal last four game stretch. Um, if they go 4-0 in that stretch, Penix deserves to win the Heisman. Uh, Washington deserves to go to the playoff, I, I, period. I don't think there's any more that needs to be said there. Yep. Um, that is a brutal, brutal four-game stretch. Um, so that'll that's where, really, Penix will be able to separate himself. Okay. Yeah, and I know uh, the uh, mysterious Mr. S wanted us to talk more about Heismans. That's why I kind of pulled it up. But it's really not worth doing a top five because I think right now it's Penix maybe McCarthy, and then everybody else. So I think it's just so up in the air, it's kind of hard to do a whole list at this point. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, next one will be uh, Duke versus Louisville. Uh, Jordan, I'm not even sure what either team is at this point. Uh, Louisville had that great win over Notre Dame, but then lost to a bad pit team, 38-21. to uh, the game is 
at Louisville. So I am picking Louisville to win by 10. Uh, they, as well-coached as Duke is, they are 1-2 against teams ranked when they're ranked at the time they play. And the one win is against arguably the worst or one of the worst uh, Clemson teams of the Dabo era, at least since Taj Boyd was the quarterback. So I just don't see him going into what is a very underrated hostile environment in Louisville to win. So, yeah, I got the uh, cards by 10. Yeah, I think that the, the key you have to look at here, Duke, um, like I go back to, like I've said about Duke, we've talked about it a couple of times, they love to run the ball. They're a physical football team. Um, if if they're able to run the ball, if they're able to control the tempo, um, they're in a good spot. They're 210th. Um, they're the 210th passing offense in Division One, um, which is not good. For those counting, 210 is not good. Um, and Louisville, they're going to Louisville, team coming off a bad loss that thinks they're better than that. Um, and Louisville's the 27th ranked team in the country run defensively. Uh, I think Louisville will be able to control this game. I think this is a bad spot for Duke. Um, I've been on Duke most of the year, but I think that this is a spot where they are overmatched. Um, I think Louisville's a good team, and I think Brown has them set up to be good over the next couple of years. Um, Louisville by two scores. Yeah, like I said, Weird slate, just a lot of games that don't look that appealing. Uh, this is another one. It is technically a rivalry game, but I don't think it's going to be appealing. Uh, Georgia versus Florida. Now, what does make this interesting is Georgia has not been playing their best football this year, and Brock Bowers is out, probably done for the season, but I don't think that's been confirmed yet. You and I make fun of Graham Mertz a lot. Um, he's actually looking like the freshman Graham Mertz. He has 12 touchdowns and two interceptions on the year. So a good bounce back year for him. And the Gators have 12 rushing TDs on the year as a team. The game could be interesting because it is in is in Gainesville. Uh, that being, and uh, Florida also has two games back to back where they've scored 38 or more points. So it does seem like they are starting to figure out their offense a little bit. That being said, I still think they're just they just don't have the depth to compete with Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's too physical for them. If Georgia, I, this is the worst way to do it, but Florida got outclassed by Kentucky, and then Georgia outclassed Kentucky. Uh, hurt me in my picks to do that, but it's a common opponent. And just from what I've seen of Florida, I just don't think they have the horses yet. I think Georgia's going to win by seventeen. So I'm going to continue cleaning up the mess, as you said, Brett. Um, it was actually not in Gainesville, Georgia, Florida. They're playing Jacksonville in the world's largest cocktail party. Oh, yeah. um, I think that the, I think Florida and the UF fans, excuse me, will win the pregame, will win the tailgate, will win the cocktail party. Uh, but I think Georgia wins the football game pretty handily. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Napier was really ready to be a real SEC coach. No. Um, I think they're going to get outclassed by Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's going to start hitting their stride over these next couple of weeks, um, headed towards that uh, SEC championship game in a essentially quarterfinal game um, against Alabama. I think that Georgia wins here by a couple scores. I, You said Mertz um, looked a little like freshman Mertz, but I, I still don't believe in him. I don't think he was good at Wisconsin. I don't think he's good at Florida. I think numbers sometimes can be deceiving. Um, I don't think he can make enough big, any big enough plays in order to win the game. I think Florida might hang around for a quarter. Um, I think in the end, the score might look a little closer um, than it actually feels. Um, but I think Georgia is too physical, it's too strong to beat you in too many ways. Um, Georgia may slip up. There might be a time over the next couple weeks that you see me. Um, pick against Georgia. I just don't think it's going to be this week. I I think um, next week, looking ahead, um, they play Missouri, who you know I love. Um, that might be a game, but Georgia coming off redemption of last year. Um, they play Ole Miss at home. They play at Tennessee. I don't know if Georgia loses until the SEC championship game, um, but it, I know for certain they're not going to lose this week to the Gators. I got Georgia. I mean, I got Georgia by a couple scores. Okay. Yeah. I forget that all you Southern schools have your uh, rivalry games at neutral fields. It's weird. It takes away the fun. but It is weird. 
Yeah, it is weird, and especially in college, I think those games um, should be played at the school. I mean, I think Gainesville would be a great place to play this game, um, and I think what is it, Athens, Georgia, um, should get the game every other year. Yeah. So um, the next game, I will admit. Jordan, I feel that we got bullied, or I got bullied into putting the Hurricanes back into Pickums. So, of course, my yeah, my version of revenge is they had a couple bigger games the last couple weeks. So, I am putting the Hurricanes on the on the slate when they're playing a Virginia team that is not very good and uh, has a coach Tony Elliott, who is I believe in his second year, but he's probably going to be on the hot seat. Um, now, Virginia is admittedly coming off of a good win against the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, they have a couple issues. One, they don't really have a quarterback. They've, it looks like they've gone back and forth between two, Anthony Colandrea and uh, Tony Muschkit. Uh, Colandrea has five touchdowns and six interceptions. Muschkit has six touchdowns, three interceptions. They really only have one receiving threat in Malik Washington and uh running back uh mac hollins is their top runner uh between the two of them they have 11 touchdowns the uh question over dolphin mac hollins yeah something like that um and i did double check his name is mac hollins so i did i did check that um for miami is tyler van dyke going to be ready to play i don't really know if it matters virginia doesn't really have a good defense uh the the u has 13 rushing touchdowns on this season and the thing to keep in mind is only one team all year has scored less than 21 points versus Virginia, and that was Williams and Mary, and they scored 18. Um, I'm going to pick the Canes by two touchdowns, but when you have Mario Cristobal as your head coach, it can be an adventure just like having uh, Brandon Staley as your head coach, so I would not be shocked if it was closer. Yeah, I don't see uh, the Hurricanes making the same mistake North Carolina did last week, which was throwing the ball 48 times um, against a defense that's currently ranked 190th in the country um, from a run defense standpoint. Um, the Hurricanes are the 44th best running team in the nation. Um, the Hurricanes are also coming off a win against Clemson. Uh, the Hurricanes feel like they should be undefeated, even though they lost at Clemson. At worst, they feel like they should have one loss. Um, I look for the Hurricanes. I think they'll run the ball 40 times, 45 times. Um, I think they'll win this game by three, four scores. I don't think Virginia really stands a chance. I think, um, like you said, Coach Elliott is probably on the hot seat, whether deserved or undeserved. I think he's a very good coordinator. I think Virginia is just a tough job for him to take. I think that's a weird fit. I, I look for him to have more success elsewhere. Uh, but I, I don't think this game is going to be very close. I know we were bullied to put this on here. Um, and we were told, same reason we have the Gators on there. Um, I would love to pick against the Hurricanes, but not this week. I think it's a horrible matchup for Virginia. Um, I don't think even Mario Cristobal can mess this one up. Um, I think the Hurricanes win by a lot. Okay. So, so far, it's a boring picks for college. We both like Oregon, both like Louisville, both like Georgia, and both like the Hurricanes. So it's down to our wild card pick. And I am going for the third week in a row off the beaten path for my pick, but this has postseason implications. So I am going to Troy versus Texas State in the Sun Belt. Oh, here we go. Well, they are both five and two and two and one in conference. In the West, they are one and two in the West. So they are essentially playing for a spot in the uh, Sun Belt championship game, likely against James Madison and likely to get destroyed by James Madison, who ironically beat Virginia earlier this year. Um, Do you know, by the way, about the whole controversy with James Madison in the bowl game? I know, isn't it? Because like it's like their first year up or something, so they can't play in the bowl game. So it's their second year, and there's a two-year, um, I guess, what do you want to call it? Probationary period where they can't play in a bowl game. So James Madison is undefeated, maybe one of the better teams in the country, but unless. Not enough teams qualify for bowl games. James Madison will not be allowed to play in a bowl game this year. I think that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And in fairness to the NCAA, which uh, I'll talk more about them later because they're not exactly on my uh, Christmas list. But um, usually when a team comes up from a lower division, they're not putting up the numbers James Madison does. So I can kind of see that. So, But 
But why? But if they're not going to put up the numbers, and you think weaker teams are coming up from Division Two, why put that in there? I mean, a, a team going from D two to D one isn't necessarily going to make a college football playoff in year one or year two. I, I don't think that's the problem. I think I think they they should be allowed to play in bowls. Yeah. I think if a team's moving up to Division one, their student, their school, that's an honor to play in a bowl game, especially for the first time. And if you're a junior at a school that just finally moved up to Division One, the fact that while you're in school, you won't be able to see your team playing a bowl game, I think that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's fair. And with how many bowl games we have anymore, and especially with all the top players opting out because of the draft, why not give a team like James Madison, which that would mean a lot more to them, why not give them a chance at a bowl than just say the, I don't know, a team that's 6-6 six and six from a Power 5 team going to going to the same bowl so i do get that uh so i agree james madison is getting uh screwed over there <clears throat> but um to go back to the pick uh j gj kinney is a fast rising coach he's the head coach of texas state he uh only has one other year as a college head coach and that was in fcs last year with uh incarnate word which a couple weeks ago i erroneously called incarnate world um but he got them to the semis. He now is with the Texas State Bobcats, and they have already won more games than they did one last year. Um, they're at five. Last year they won four. Actually, the year before they won four. He actually got a very big-time transfer in quarterback T.J. Finley, uh, both big literally and figuratively, as he is 6'7", 255 pounds. But this is a guy who actually started a few games as a true freshman at LSU in 2020. He lost the... Uh, competition in 2021 to be a starter, went to Auburn, and then I believe transferred again with the coaching change. Uh, He's having a good year, 14 touchdowns. Troy has a second-year coach in John Rumrall. Last year, he went 12-2 and and had a victory in the Cure Bowl. I feel like it's a made-up bowl, but I did double-check that is an actual bowl. And the quarterback is Gunnar Watson, who won the Sunbelt Championship MVP last year, currently has 10 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. This will probably be a high-scoring game. Both teams have been very good this year. Uh, with that, uh, the game is in Troy, Alabama, so I am going to go with the home team. So I do have Tex- Texas State losing to the Troy Trojans. I don't know if they're still Troy State or tr- just Troy anymore, so I'm just going to go with Troy. Uh, but the Trojans are going to win, I will say, 41-38. to 38. So I have two things to ask you. First of all, do you know that Troy has one of the best defenses in the country? I knew they were pretty good. So they're pretty good. And did you also know that this game was actually at Texas State? Then Google lied to me because I looked it up and it said it was at Troy. Well, according to this app that I'm looking at here, the game is at Jim Wacker Field, which is in San Marcos, Texas. So if you were going to Troy, Alabama to watch the game, I think you'd be a little far off. It would be, yeah. Let me, but yeah, no, I double checked and going on to so, Google. It, they do, yeah, they do have the game. The at, they do have the game at Troy. So, but then another browser has it at Texas State. So, I'm blaming Google Chrome. So, for that. does the location of the game change your pick? No, I'm still going with Troy. Okay, just think so it's there. Just to be clear, he's picking Troy. Yeah, Troy so, was I, good last year, and Texas State wasn't. So. I do love uh, G.J. Kinney. I think that was a nice shot for you. You know, you mentioned he was the head coach in Incarnate Ward. Um, do you know where he was before Incarnate Ward? Uh, he was in a... I looked it up yesterday. He was at Tulane at some point, I believe, but I'm not sure if that's where he was last. Uh, he was not at Tulane. Well, he was at Tulsa. He played at Tulsa. Yeah, I knew he was at Tulsa um, as a player. I thought he was like an analyst. Uh, he was the op- he was the offensive coordinator for my UCF Knights. Oh. Um, which leads me to my pick. I love G.J. Kinney's offense. Um, I think, like you said, when I saw his name listed in the Fast Rising Coaches, I said, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think he's going to be a very good head coach for a long time. Um, but that leads me to my pick um, where I'm going to the Big 12. And for the first time this year, I believe, um, I'm actually going to pick the UCF Knights uh, as my wild card pick of the week. Um, I think UCF coming home, they play at home against West Virginia. Um, I think last week, although they lost to Oklahoma, um, it was a, a little bit of a get-right game for UCF. And 
they felt walking out of that game a lot better than they felt walking in that game. Um, the bounce house is a very, very difficult place to play. Um, I know that the last time they played in the bounce house, um, Baylor down, what was it, 20-something points in the fourth quarter, came back and stunned UCF. Um, I think UCF fans would feel a lot differently about the season had that gone um, the other way. Um, but I think that the opportunity to get your first in-conference win um, at home um, against a team like West Virginia, I, I think UCF needs that for its program. Um, I think that this is a much bigger game for UCF than it is for West Virginia. West Virginia coming off a game where they gave up 48 points uh, last week to Oklahoma State when they were at home. Um, I think UCF is really going to be able to move the ball. UCF has the 12th best rushing offense in the country. West Virginia has the 120th ranked rushing defense in the country. Um, I think UCF is going to run the ball into oblivion. I don't think Plumlee will throw the ball that much, um, but I don't think they'll need to. I think UCF wins by a couple scores over West Virginia. Yeah. And West Virginia is another team that uh, might be looking for a new coach because I uh, follow a bunch of West Virginia fans on Twitter through my cousins because they went to West Virginia. And let's just say Neil Brown is not the most popular figure in that uh, fandom. So he might be coaching for his job at some point. So for those keeping track of our college picks, this week is going to come down to UCF and West Virginia and again, uh, for Jordan and Texas State and Troy for me. Now, on to the NFL picks, which, again, just a weird week of picks of, of games, so I couldn't really decide what games to pick. So some of them I kind of went with, I picked just because I kind of think there's a cool story to it, or not even cool, but a kind of an interesting tagline for it. So the first one we're going to look at is actually the battle for New York, uh, battle for MetLife, if you will, as it will be the Jets and the Giants. Uh Anybody who has to watch this game, I feel like it's going to be on locally for me because the Giants are in the Eagles division. So I feel like I'll have the displeasure of watching it. Um, these offenses kind of suck. Uh, it might come down to Brees Hall versus Saquon Barkley, and I think Barkley's questionable again, so he may not even play. Two offensive lines that make ours look like the Dol 1972 Dolphins offensive line, uh, and that's with the backups in, so the line that we had against... Uh, the Eagles most of the game. Uh, they're that bad. Um, it's gonna. Uh, this game is going to basically be who can make the least mistakes. So do you trust Tyrod Taylor or Zach Wilson to make fewer mistakes? Um, maybe this is recency bias, but I don't think Zach's been – he's just been bad. He hasn't been as terrible. But I can't get the uh, first half of the, the uh, Bills game out of my head with Tyrod Taylor. And even last week when the Giants did get a win, they did look pretty abysmal offensively. They're struggling to get their young guys involved. They're relying too heavily on Darren Waller and Barkley when he's healthy. So I'm actually going to need to take to wash my mouth out, my mouth off after this. But I am taking the Jets to beat the Giants. So it's funny because the part I loved most about making these picks this week, I'm the type of person. Um, something you should know about me is I like to write on paper. Uh, before every episode, I make notes on paper, and uh, I have scratches all over and scribbles all over um, and little notes. And this week, it literally looks like scratches and scribbles, and I probably should have used pencil because I have so many changes and going back and forth on games and not able to decide who I pick. Um, before I give the stat um, that led me to this pick, um, I'm going to say that I picked the Giants with the contingency that Saquon Barkley plays. Um, so if Saquon plays, I like the Giants. If he doesn't, please don't listen to me. I mean, I hope you didn't click out of the episode the second I said Giants and not hear if Saquon plays. Um, I also put the word gulp in giant letters next to me picking the Giants because that could probably go horribly wrong. Um, but last week, if you think back, I picked um, the Steelers over the Rams for the fact that Mike Tomlin is so good coming out of the bye. Uh -huh. Um on the flip side, the New York Jets have not won a game coming out of their bye week since 2015. For those doing math at home, that is eight seasons ago. This is season nine um, of the Jets not winning coming out of their bye week. Um, I think that continues here. 
Um, I think the Giants are going to win. Um, I think the Giants, if you look at the games um, that they lost, yeah, they were overmatched by us. They were overmatched by the Cowboys. They were overmatched by the 49ers. A lot of teams are. The Seahawks are even a good team. They, their defense played very well against Buffalo. Their defense played very well against the Commanders the last two weeks. Um, I think that's going to continue against the Jets. Uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, obviously, because neither offense is going to be able to move. Um, but I think that they come out of that game against the Bills um, with a win if Brian Dayball handles situational football different, if Tyrod Taylor handles situational football different. I don't think they're going to do that this week. I think Dayball's too good of a coach to make that mistake again. Um, I think Dayball is a better coach than Robert Sala. Um, so I'm going to pick the Giants to win like a something like a 13 to 10 or 16 to 13 game. Yeah, I think I had 14 to 10 listed. Um, yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be a high scoring game. It, whether that's good off uh, bad offense or good defense, I'll let you decide that one. Um, the next game, this is one you actually suggested over what I had, because uh, I originally had the Eagles versus the Commanders. We actually already did that the first time. So we're going to do Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Watching both teams, I'm still not quite sure how either team is winning. Jacksonville does have talent on offense, but it just seems, aside from maybe ETN, it is all very streaky. Calvin Ridley can have a couple big plays and then he disappears, or he can have nothing at all. Uh, relying on Evan Ingram like the Jaguars do, I feel, is always a mistake. Christian Kirk's fairly consistent. Uh, Steelers are still trying to figure out their offense. They need to learn that Najee Harris isn't a number one back right now and that uh, Warren is probably their best running back. They still struggle to get the ball to George Pickens a lot, and with Fryermuth out, it's basically... Pickens and uh, hope for the best, although Deontay Johnson did just return this uh, past week. So that should help things as well. You do have two really good defenses, um, which is why I'm picking the Steelers. The Steelers defense has been great at not only causing turnovers, but scoring their scoring themselves. And that's how they won a couple of the games. And while Trevor Lawrence did look better, on Thursday night football, he was still a little hobbled, but he did look a little more dangerous and a little more confident in what he wanted to do. In the past, he has had a mis had issues with fumbles. Think of the Buffalo game at, uh, in London, where he had two fumbles in the red zone that resulted in uh, turnovers. And against TJ Watt, a TJ Watt led defense, that's going to be an issue. Steeler doesn't matter where the game is. Steeler fans are going to show up no matter where. So I'm going to pick the Steelers. I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. I think it's going to be a 17-14 game. So looking at the box score last week, because I did pick the Steelers last week, um, it was interesting to me with no running game. You have Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson, who Daryl Henderson got up off the street. Um, the Rams were really able to run the ball. Uh, 30 carries for what looks like 127 yards from the running backs um, for the Rams with the touchdown i think that the jaguars are going to run the ball a lot more and a lot better than people think um i think they're going to run away from tj watt and i think watt will have to move around um, which will open up different aspects of the game from for jacksonville both these teams are coming to the game scorching hot when i look ahead at the steelers schedule after this week the next two weeks they play tennessee at home they play green bay at home I just can't see the Steelers being seven and two after the next three weeks. Um, so I'm going to pick Jacksonville here. I'm not very confident in it because of how hot Pittsburgh is. But I, I do think that Mike Tomlin loves to dance that 500 line, even though they they always finish over 500. Um, and I think that Jacksonville is going to win this game and prove um, that they are one of the elite teams in the league right now. I read an article recently about how they are one of the teams um, that this writer, reporter, um, blogger, whatever you want to call them nowadays, thinks can win the Super Bowl. Um, I could see it. I don't think they're better than us. I don't think they're better than Buffalo. I don't necessarily even think they're better than the Ravens or the Chiefs, um, but I do think they're better than the Steelers. I think they're a better football team. I think they're a more complete football team. Um, and I think I do think they go to Pittsburgh and Jacksonville wins um, a, we'll call it a 27-24 game. Okay. 
And uh, next game is another game that I picked. It is the battle of the first and second overall picks. Or we can call it the uh, repeat of Tua versus Herbert, where Bryce Young is getting the Tua treatment for having lack of weapons, lack of help from his teammates, whereas C.J. Stroud, everything's going right for him. So he's getting the Justin Herbert treatment, although I, admittedly I do think C.J. Stroud has a much higher ceiling than Justin Herbert, and that's not an insult to Herbert. I just think C.J. Stroud's really good. Um, that being said, I think the Panthers are slowly starting to get things together. You kind of saw it against us. You saw it the week before as well. Um, so they're kind of figuring it out. I would not be shocked if in the next week they do trade for a wide receiver. Their fans may not be happy because they do lack – uh, draft capital right now, but I do think they want to get some more help in um, as quickly as possible this season, so I do think they will go and get someone. Um, I did mention CJ Stroud, but no first-year coach has impressed me as much as D'Amico Ryans. Always liked him as an, as an assistant. Kind of surprised he didn't get a job last year. He went back to the team that he won Defensive Rookie of the Year with, and the Texans. He's put together a very nice staff. They did have some I think they had more weapons than people gave credit for. You have Nico Collins um, emerging a bit, as well as a rookie Tank Dell that a lot of people like. So, and um, Pier Damon Pierce running back as well, and getting um, um, blanking the tight end from Dallas. I'm blanking on his name. Help me out here, Jordan. Schultz. Schultz. Dalton Schultz. I was thinking Dalton, Dalton Schultz. Like, yep, I couldn't get the last name. Uh, but getting him was a sneaky good move as well. So there is there are pieces offensively. Defensively, it's still a bit of a work, although Willie Anderson is showing his skill. Um, I have no scientific reason for saying this other than I think I just have a gut feeling that I think the Panthers are going to get their first win. I don't think it'll be pretty, um, but I do think they will win 21-17. So... This is the game that I've been going back and forth on, and, and that should give you an insight into my brain to know I keep going back and forth on Texans-Panthers. Um, at first, I had the Texans, then I had the Panthers, and I had the Texans, then I had the Panthers. And listening to you talk, I just don't see how the Panthers are going to be able to stop Damian Pierce. Um, I think that the... And Devin Singletary, for that matter. I think that the Texans are starting to build an identity of taking care of the ball, being physical. I think Damian Pierce has struggled a little bit. Um, I think this is a game where I, he's a guy that I have written down here um, is going to have a big game. He's going to be a player to watch from a fantasy perspective this week. Um, but the one thing I do like about Carolina is that although they've been horrible against the spread and they haven't won a game, both of their home losses have been one-score games. Yeah. Um, so that aspect makes me think the Panthers. Um, and what it really boils down to to me is that I don't think the Panthers are bad enough to be a winless football team. Mm -hmm. I also don't think the Texans are good enough to be an above 500 football team, uh, which is what's on the line here. Um, I'm going to pick the Panthers to win by one point. Um, I think they kick a field goal at the end to win. Um, but I would not be surprised if, number one, um, the Texans win, and I would not be surprised if come Sunday um, I'm looking at the sheet of picks saying, damn, I wish I would have picked the Texans because I like the Texans. Yeah. Um, I, I like the future of the Texans, but I do think that the uh, Panthers are going to win this game by a point. Yeah. Do you think a win could maybe get uh, Bryce Young going a bit more? Again, I don't think he's playing poorly, but just as we've said, there's just not enough pieces around him. But do you think that win may get his confidence up a bit and you see a little bit more of the Bama Bryce, or is that still a year away? I think it's still a year away just because he still needs to adjust to the NFL. But like you said, I don't think Bryce has been that terrible. Yeah. I, th I actually thought when I was at the game when the Dolphins played the Panthers, I actually liked the way Bryce looked out there. Um, I liked the way he commands the pocket. I like how he is as a leader. I don't know if he's a playoff Super Bowl caliber quarterback, um, but I think he he definitely has a lot of potential. Um, and I I think getting your first NFL win, getting your getting the monkey off your back, um, that win, um, a shooter is very cold in basketball. You just got to kind of see one go in. I mean, I think that's where the Panthers are at. I think they just got to kind of see see one go in. I think they got to see a win go on the board. Um, and then it'll allow them to kind of play better. Right. 
Yep. But either way, I would tell everybody not to give up on Bryce Young just yet. Just sometimes it takes a little bit longer, uh, especially when you're rebuilding as a team. On the next game is one that you suggested as well. I originally had us looking at the uh, Broncos and Chiefs again. You suggested the Bengals and Niners. I'm interested to see where this game goes. Uh, Brock Purdy, it sounds like, will be out after that uh, failed tush-push, or as they call it up here, the uh, brotherly shove. And uh, Purdy got a concussion, it looks like. So he's sounds like he's going to be out, and Sam Darnold will be in. Uh, Niners have, as they tend to do every year, have started to see injuries on offense. So don't know where they're going to be. I still haven't been fully impressed by the Bengals. I feel Burrow still doesn't look 100%. I feel they are relying still to out-talent teams. And in terms of coaching, uh, Kyle Shanahan laps Zach Taylor two or three times. Um, but health will be an issue. I do think Purdy is starting to come back to earth a little bit. I don't think he's the MVP candidate people made him out to be. Um, I would not shock me at the end of the year. Well, end of the year might be a little early, but within the next two years, they realize Purdy's not it and go with a try again at a quarterback in round one. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Bengals just because they feel like they have more going offensively right now. And you never want to trust the uh, Ghostbuster himself in a game against a good defense. So, uh, yeah, this is more picking against Sam Darnold than picking for the Bengals. So I have a rule of thumb, and my and it's in my list of rules for when I'm picking games. And the, the first thing I look at is defense, where the 49ers, like you said, lap uh, the Bengals. And then I look at coaching, where, again, the 49ers lap the Bengals. But I never, under any circumstances, pick against a quarterback like Joe Burrow as an underdog against a quarterback like Sam Donald. Never. You can't do it. Um, I think that the Bengals, I'm, I'm confident that the Bengals will cover. Um, I am optimistic that the Bengals will win the game. Um, I think that the Bengals, like last year, start slow. Um, it's been a couple of years now in a row that they start slow. Um, and they start finding their groove. And I think that the, uh, the articles and the headlines leaving this week uh, will be the Bengals are back. The Bengals have figured it out. The Bengals have flipped the switch. Um, I think the Bengals win this game, again, a very close game. I think it'll be a lower-scoring game than people think. Um, I think that the Bengals are going to have to keep up because I think the 49ers are going to be able to run with a lot of success. Um, but I think it's going to be one team running with success versus another team throwing with success. Um, and I'll just take the better quarterback to score late. Um, I'll take the Bengals to win 24-20. So just as a recap, I took the Jets, Jordan took the Giants, I took the Steelers, Jordan took the Jags. We both agreed that the Panthers are going to get their first win, and we both agreed that the Bengals will beat the Niners. And then hopefully the quote-unquote fraud talk will start for the Niners. Yes, I am still a little salty about that, but we will move on. Um, and I, fraud, apparently, according to Skip Bayless, is a good segue into the Dolphins-Patriots preview. Uh, Jordan, we already played the Patriots earlier this year. I don't really think we have to preview them much, and it feels like we've talked about them so much. We know what kind of team they are. Um, they did get an impressive win against the Bills. Again, it, to me, I don't know about you, uh, but to me it felt more like the Bills injuries catching up to them a bit more. Um, and I, I am starting to question Ken Dorsey a little bit as an offensive coordinator. I did like him as a quarterback coach, but it does seem like at times they become too reliant on Josh Allen putting his Superman cape on to be a good offense. So I am starting to question that a bit. Uh, to me, the question of this game, and I'm sure you'll agree right now, is the health of the Miami Dolphins. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, because it sounds um, like I think even that... Hill might be out now. Yeah, I think you, you just, a game like this, you're going to look um, to leave the game uh, as healthy as you are going into the game and not leave with any more serious injuries. Um, at this point, uh, whatever happens this week, whatever happens against Kansas City, um, I think the Dolphins just want to get into the bye week, <laughs> get into the bye week healthy, um, and come out of the bye week and start getting their pieces back for the stretch run of the season. 
Um, I think that this is going to be a game, like you said, we don't have to preview it because I think that this game is very, very similar to the game we saw in week two. Um, I think the score is going to be similar. I think my prediction is going to be similar. Um, but it it's a game that uh, is a little bit of a trap game uh, just simply because you're playing an opponent that knows you. Um, you're coming off a loss to a good team. Uh, the fans are going to be expecting to win instead of hoping to win. Um, so would it surprise me if the Patriots covered um, or were even leading early in the second half? No, it wouldn't shock me. Um, but it would shock me if the Dolphins didn't turn it on and didn't end up winning the game. Um, I think whether Tyreek plays or not, I think this will be a game where they can get Jalen Waddle very involved. Um, I look for Waddle to have six, seven, eight catches. Um, it's a game to get Jeff Wilson involved. It's a game to get Savat Nachman involved, because I see that uh, Moser has a little bit of an ankle thing going on. Um, I think it's a, it's a way to get other guys in. Um, this will be a good game for Claypool. This will be a good game. Um, I saw Craycraft practiced. Um, this will be a good game for Needham to get back in and get action. Um, so I think it's going to be about using the pieces that haven't really been um, kind of shown, um, letting everybody kind of figure out where they sit. Um, this game and even next week in Germany against Kansas City um, are going to be, let's just get through the game and worry about the bye week and worry about coming out of the bye week. Um, so I'll give my prediction now. I have the Dolphins winning 31-13. to 13. Um, my prediction a couple weeks ago was 24-17, which, I mean, I'm sorry, my prediction was 31-17, uh, which ended up being 24-17. I think the Dolphins' defense will play very well, um, and I think the Dolphins will score a couple times late um, to make it look uglier than it is, and I'll take the Dolphins 31-13. Yeah. yeah, I'm going 24-14. I just think there are some question marks uh, injury by not even Tyreek Hill, but we don't know if Holland's going to play. We don't know if David Long's going to play. They both, I believe, are in concussion protocol. Um, as good as the defense, well, as encouraging as the defense was against the Eagles, uh, David Long was a big part of that. So him being out, if he is out, makes me a little hesitant to buy into him too much. But getting Eden back is big. There's a. It doesn't sound like we're getting Ramsey this week. It's he's more than likely going to be for Kansas City. Everything it's everything I've heard sounds like the goal is either get people ready for Kansas City or get everybody ready for the bye. So I think you're going to see and if he'll play Tyreek Hill's plays that's going to change, but I do have a feeling they may sit Hill and you may see it be the Waddle Barrios and uh Claypool show. I don't think they really trust Robbie Anderson or Robbie Chosen, sorry, as a blocker anymore. Um I don't remember him playing against the Eagles. If he did, I just don't remember. But I do know Claypool got some snaps, and I know they do like his blocking. Um, also could see us go more heavy with tight ends and finally start using Smythe, at least in the passing game. But I just think it's a get-healthy game. Now, if Connor's playing, that influences as well. But I think it's get to KC and get to the bye. So I'm going to go with the uh, more conservative pick of 24-14, but I am not buying that the Patriots have turned this around, that Mac Jones is a better quarterback. I think we match up really well, even if we start Eli Apple on defense. So I don't expect them to really get anything going offensively. I am so sick of Eli Apple. I just want I just want that to be known. I am so sick of Eli Apple. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that he can do at this point to make me believe that he can legitimately help us win a championship. Yeah. No. The only thing he can do is if we get this Super Bowl, he gets a pick six to seal the game, right? Not even. Not we'll, even. We'll, it'll be not even. Not even. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I um, hope that happens. And I hope I'm proven wrong. And I hope I, if, you know, I'll tell you this, Brett. If we make the Super Bowl, okay, mm -hmm. and Eli Apple has a pick six to win the Super Bowl, I will buy an Eli Apple jersey and I will wear it to every Dolphin game I go to for the rest of my life. Yeah, if he does that, he that would be well earned. Um, but I think we can both say that that getting to the Super Bowl and winning it's likely. But Eli Apple being the reason we win it is, I think we have a better shot of winning the lottery than that happening. <laughs> but um, if you have lottery numbers, send them my way. I wish. Uh, but now it's time to add to the list, and it's not going to be Dolphins related. This is going to be about the NCAA and how they handle investigations. 
I have made no secret that I'm a Michigan fan. And for anybody who hasn't heard, Michigan is once again being investigated. But it's still unclear what exactly. They're saying sign stealing, which everybody says is, isn't illegal. This comes off of NCA looking uh, investigating for major recruiting violations over the offseason, which turned out being Jim Harbaugh buying a recruit, a cheeseburger, while he was on campus. They couldn't find anything. Harbaugh did a self-imposed three-game suspension to make it go away. And even the NCAA admits that. They are now investigating a low-level staffer who's been using his own money to buy tickets and is sending stuff to friends. The coaches, from what I've seen, aren't involved. That could be that could turn out to be false, but from what I've seen, the stuff coming out is the coaches haven't been involved. Even from what I've seen, the NCAA themselves have said they don't find the allegations that serious, but are investigating it because the Big Ten and the Big Ten teams are pushing them to investigate. But if they're looking for sign stealing, the one thing you'll notice is analysts and coaches are all just shrugging at it being like, yeah, if you have a problem with this, get new signs. So Michigan is arguably, not saying for sure, but arguably the best college team this season. I already mentioned J.J. McCarthy could potentially be a Heisman Trophy winner. He could also potentially be a first-round pick at quarterback. This team is arguably the best I've seen since that 1997 championship team. That even includes the team with Aiden Hutchinson two years ago. So I'm actually expecting a deep run in the college playoff. And instead, with us completely destroying every team by 30, 40 points. And with a defense that I believe last time I checked has only given up six points a game, we have to deal with, again, people talking about allegations that anybody in football will tell you are not that serious. But that's the NCAA for you. You have teams getting caught giving players money when it was illegal. What's his name? Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee used to have people at McDonald's put wads of cash into McDonald's bags for recruits. You had Tattoo Gate with Ohio State. But you have, right now, Michigan potentially getting in trouble for something all coaches admit they do. And the answer is just a shrug saying, well, if teams have a problem with that, they need to get better signs. So just because I was already annoyed this week because of the refs from the Dolphins game, and Michigan has a bye, and this is the second week I got to hear about this, and I should be celebrating, embarrassing Michigan State, who I hate. I don't respect Michigan State like I respect Ohio State. I hate Michigan State. So them getting destroyed is the best part of my season. And I can't even enjoy that because of this stupid investigation. So the fact that we're even at this point, I'm putting the NCAA on the list, but I'm also putting a writer named Pete Thamel on the list because he is pushing that this is a bigger scandal than what the Houston Astros did a couple years ago to win the World Series or Spygate for the Patriots. This is something everybody admits to doing. It is stealing signs. And the fact that I'm even talking about this is stupid. So Pete Thamel in the NCAA, y'all just made the list. Jordan, I know you wanted to give your two cents on this situation. So there are two quick anecdotes I want to tell, which really one is an anecdote. I mean, one is more of a aha moment for people that don't understand all in plays in college football. First of all, um, when I was in college many moons ago, um, I worked for actually the, the basketball team of the college that I attended. Um, and those who listen to our show or those who know me, it's a very easy hop, skip, and a jump to what team I worked for. Um, when we would bring in recruits, so I had to take a course um, that was an NCAA eligibility recruiting course, essentially. We got on the first day of class, it was a class for my major. Um, where we actually got the NCAA rule book and most of our tests and most of the things we did throughout the, the course of the semester um, were um, geared around NCAA rules. And one thing I learned that to this day, I find to be the most ridiculous thing. But did you know, and, and I don't know if this is still a rule today, but this was um, a rule within the last decade. Um, it is legal, sorry, with an L, legal, to give a player a bagel and butter, if a player comes to visit and is having breakfast, you can give him a bagel and you can give him butter. But if you were to give that player cream cheese instead of butter, that is a recruiting violation 
I actually heard something like that. I didn't realize it was that, but I did hear there was something about there are certain foods you can give, but there's other foods you can't. You can give a player a peanut butter sandwich. If you put jelly on that sandwich, it's a recruiting violation. The NCAA spends their time, instead of trying to um, put together something great for the players, they spend their time coming up with these ticky-tacky. Um, the thought process behind it and what I was told um, is that things like cream cheese, things like jelly, um, those are seen as items that um, wealthier schools have that not every school can afford. Um, and if there is a college institution that can't afford cream cheese for their athletes, I think we have a bigger problem than just talking about this. Um, so that's first. And I don't want to dive too much into that because we, we can get into a lot of the, the ticky-tacky um, stupid rules that the NCAA comes up with. On the Michigan side, um, you ever notice when you're watching college football, Brett, that there are three guys that stand on the sideline around the offensive coordinator, including usually one of the red shirt quarterbacks that are all giving signs at the same time. You ever notice that? I did. Yeah. So the reason for that, and the reason colleges have been doing that for 20 years now, probably I've been watching college football for close to 30 years now, probably 25 to 30 years. And they've been doing it as long as I can remember. And the reason for that is because you don't want the other team to know who's telling the correct sign. You'll have the um, maybe the running back coach give the signs for the first quarter. You'll have the offensive coordinator give the signs for the second quarter. You'll have a red shirt quarterback give the signs for the third quarter. And then somebody will, and probably the offensive coordinator, whoever the main guy is, will probably take the fourth quarter. You're constantly switching the signs. You're switching cadences. And most of those quarterbacks are wearing a wristband. So really, that's the signs that they're giving just gets the quarterback to look at a wristband and read the play. I think that this investigation is stupid. I think it's all about nothing. I don't even think it's the Big Ten that's really pushing for this um, because I think that the Big Ten itself benefits from Michigan making a college football playoff and a national championship. And I think the Big Ten would lose a lot of money if Michigan were to fall off at this point and not make the playoff. So I don't see the NCAA, I mean, the Big Ten themselves really pushing for this. I think this is the other teams in the Big Ten just being petty. Um, I think that's all it is. I think this is petty. I think it's stupid. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, Pete Thamel, this is not as bad as what the Astros did. What the Astros did was very bad. And I think, I don't even think it's as bad as the rumored um, Atlanta Braves having somebody whistling in the crowd on curveballs. Um, I think this is a whole lot of nothing. Um, I would be interested to know this guy's motivation um, for buying tickets to all these games. Um, I would like to know kind of what he thought he was getting out of it. And not a not in an investigation, not in a um, uh, putting him on the stand um, and cross-examining him way, but just in a general, like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Why? What is, what is the point of this? What is the reasoning for it? Um, because it seems like it's a whole lot of nothing, and it seems like it's very stupid. Um, so I'll allow you to go off the beaten path and put a non-Dolphins um, related story on the list um, because to me, that's just stupid. It's, just, it's beyond stupid. Um, and it, it's a whole lot of nothing. And I think um, we should just kind of leave them alone and let them play football. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to clear for the Big Ten, I think what they said is the two teams that were pushing the Big Ten and NCAA to investigate the most were Michigan State and Rutgers of all teams. So. Of course. Well, Rutgers seems like a little bit of... Is Shiano still the coach there? Yeah, yeah. So he was the Ohio State defensive yeah. coordinator, so I can understand that. Uh, I think Sparty just kind of wanted... They had their own allegations that they're dealing with, so I think they just kind of wanted to be out of the uh, spotlight for a little. And listen, I mean, no football team is, is making up new uh, ways to call plays and new um, plays. I... I at the end of the day, uh, if you're a really good football team, you can line up and you can tell the team on the other side what you're doing. Um, and it's still, it takes physicality and it takes scheme to stop it. Um, so if you have a problem with what, Mich what Michigan is doing, stop it. Beat yeah. them. Um, and I don't think Rutgers or Michigan State are in a, a place where they can do that anytime soon. Well, what makes the Michigan State thing funny is, I don't know if you saw this, is their response to the allegation of sign stealing was to have their quarterback who's making a second career start just run over and get the play on the sideline from an assistant. That's stupid. Yeah.
So the whole thing is stupid, and that's why it is on the list. And Pete Tamil's just trying to hype it up as some big thing, and most people in the college football world just kind of shrugging like it happens. Um, but yeah, I think that is it for today's episode. Hopefully everything runs well, but I will say this. I cannot wait for Zach to be uh, producing again, Jordan, but do you have anything you want to add today? There's Miss Zach and wish she was here. Um, I think a, a quick kind of two notes. Um, one, I hope everybody checks out listpodcast.com and sees all, all the content that we're putting up, um, including the work that Mr. S is doing behind the scenes. Um, and I also uh, encourage people, if you um, want to meet a couple members of the list, we were talking about possibly, and I'm going to unveil this here, I'm possibly doing a little bit of live content um, at the Dolphins Commanders game in Washington in early December. Um, so if you support the list, if you want to meet the list, um, if you want to maybe be a part of a show, um, a part of a pregame show, we're, we're looking for new things to do. Um, we're looking to involve video soon. Um, and obviously that's the direction the world's going. So we're going to um, keep up with it and not continue to be old men just behind a microphone. Yep. Um, I encourage you to get tickets to Washington um, and come meet us there because I, I love going to Dolphins road games. Um, I do it every year just because I love seeing Dolphins fans from around the country show up to games. Um, so come to Washington in December, meet us, um, and check out listpodcast.com. Alrighty. And uh, last note on Zach, I just realized the two games he couldn't uh, produce for us are both the Patriots games. So I'm just running with the idea that he just doesn't want to hear us badmouth Kasicki. So, hey, no, we are huge Mike Kasicki fans on this podcast for his touchdown last week. We are. That was huge. I loved seeing the Kasicki gritty. That might be the most I've ever rooted for the Patriots was that play. Probably the same for me. But it is that time for Jordan. My name is Brett. We are the list and we are watching. Enjoy the music.